Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Proving It Plant-Based Podcast. I am your host, Natalie. I'm a vegan fitness trainer and health coach. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've made it to the right place if you're looking for all things plant-based diet, strength training, building overall healthy habits for your future and your fitness goals, and really just all these good things. So we talk mindset, we talk health, we talk food, we talk fitness. So welcome. I'm so excited to get into the podcast episode today. We have a special guest on our episode. I bring to you a transformation coach, meditation instructor, physique competitor, and vegan. So Monk Coleman is on our episode today and he brings such a unique perspective and insight coming from his own lifestyle, his own experience, and how he has fallen into this path of changing the lives of others through deep-rooted subconscious transformation, how he helps people get into meditation, struggling through finding themselves, finding their life purpose, finding a deeper connection and meaning in themselves, and how to switch, how to change, how to overcome all the trauma, all the things that are no longer serving them, and really how to move forward and take those next steps in your lifestyle to living your best self, the best version of you. Okay? So without further ado, I feel like this week's episode kind of relates to, you know, what's going on currently as we emerge into the holidays, as we emerge into Thanksgiving, right? Because we can all take a little time to reflect on our lives, the areas of improvement, how we can go into a new year a little bit better and start to put these things into practice, right? And surround yourself with positivity. So this week, maybe you're focusing on gratitude. Maybe you're focusing on what you're thankful for. Maybe you're focusing on slowing down a little bit, enjoying life a little bit more. And so Monk is going to talk to us today about his own transformation, how he drastically did a 180 in his own lifestyle, how he works with people to do the same, and how you can as well. All right. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It was so insightful. I was so lit up after having this conversation and I hope it brings you the energy and the good positive vibes that it brought me. All right, guys, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Proving It Plant-Based podcast. I have a special guest on our episode today, Monk Coleman. Monk, welcome. Thank you so much today for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. So where are you joining us from today? We are in the Bay Area, Oakland area, a couple minutes outside of Oakland. Okay. So coast to coast. I'm over in Boston. So East coast to West coast. I don't hear the accent. Where's the accent? Oh at? yeah. I, you know, I've worked very hard on not picking up an accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm going to let Monk really just take the reins here because he has such an interesting and unique experience approach. Um, 
to a vegan diet and just his background as a physique competitor. And he can tell you a little bit about what he's into now. So Monk, show us. Yeah. yeah, so that's my name, Monk Coleman. And what I do for work is I'm a transformational coach, a meditation instructor, and a public speaker. And I also just uh, got a book published about six or seven months ago. Amazing. And the bodybuilding part, I wasn't even planning on being a bodybuilder. I got sponsored by a vegan, uh, vegan supplement company, Clean Machine. And then within five weeks, I was in a competition in Texas. So I didn't know I was going to be a bodybuilder. And then five weeks later, I'm a bodybuilder. Wow. So, and I'm, I'm going to be 52 in less than a month. And he threw me in there because my coach is older too. And we, he didn't want to, for us to be competing against each other. Okay. So he threw me in with the young guys. He took the old guys, threw me in with the young guys. So that's how that started. So going forward, I was always competing against the young guys. And I actually got my pro card in three different federations against people 20, 30 years younger than me. Wow, that's incredible. Because if anybody knows the bodybuilding world, it's a very competitive industry. It's a very competitive um, world to be in because, you know, and you're someone who just regardless of age, right, you know, you do look 20 years younger than you are. Oh, thank you. That says something in itself. I think that says something about your lifestyle. Um, But also, you know, you didn't use that as an excuse, right? You actually were like, okay, I'm up for this challenge. And um, you're competing against people who um, are younger, who are at a different point in their lives, yet you live this lifestyle that uh, kind of defies age, in, in my opinion. And let me be clear, it's natural bodybuilding. So there's a big difference between natural bodybuilding and the, and the other kind of bodybuilding. Um, we get drug tested and we get polygraphed as well. So they really try to weed out anybody that's cheating. So, and I'm also a physique bodybuilder, which is different than regular bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit smaller. Uh, we, de- we got different poses. We wear board shorts. We don't wear the small things, the Speedo type uh, uh, shorts. So it's a little bit different. And uh, I just had a competition a few months ago, pro competition. And I, w- I wasn't into it like I was into it before. I don't know if it's because of the layoff. I had like a two-year layoff because of COVID and everything that happened. And just to get back motivated in doing it, my, my, I like it the most when I get to go backstage and talk to the young people back there. Yeah, That's yeah. what I get the most out of it, doing that. But just the competition thing to me is very superficial. And it's just, what do you look like? Go do, parade out in front of some people and they're gonna tell you if you're better than the next guy that's parading out in front of them. So that part of, of it is very superficial. And I don't know if I like it enough to continue to do it because it's expensive. People don't understand, you gotta travel. And even if you're a pro, pro bodybuilder and you win some money, I mean, in the natural, I mean, you, the most you get is a thousand dollars. Right, there's not so, a lot of money in. No, it's not a lot of money. You can't quit your day job, that's for sure. <laughs> and even in the other bodybuilding, the money comes from sponsorships, not necess- necessarily the competitions that they're in. So the more known you are, the more you know opportunities for getting sponsored and making real money, uh, you know, comes into play. 
Absolutely. So you kind of got, I don't want to say thrown into it, but it almost happened just by chance because you were picked up by a sponsor. They got you within five weeks, you said, into mm -hmm. competing. Yeah. So it sounds like you were already doing something beforehand. So share with us kind of where you were at and and how you got that sponsorship and how all of a sudden, you know, your coach was like, hey, let's let's do this. And then you were super successful at it. Well, I've always stayed in, you know, pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. I always took care of myself. Not always, I should say. The last, when my lifestyle change happened. Um, so it wasn't a big deal, really, to, to cut a little bit to get in shape for the competition. So I, I always stay around like five, five pounds, within five pounds of getting on the stage. Okay. A couple percent is a, a, a body fat. But before that, I was just, uh, I was down in LA actually, uh, trying to make this thing happen. Uh, I left my wife in the Bay Area and was just down there, like renting a, a room from a friend. And then Jeff, in, uh, he direct messaged me. And, he, and the reason why he said he contacted me is because, not necessarily because of my body, but what I was saying in my social media. Okay. So the message I was putting out there. So he really, um, connected with the message I was putting out there. Then he said also like, well, this is about, a, you know, athleticism or athletes. So without that, if I wouldn't, if I would have been way out of shape, I wouldn't be been on the team, put it like that. Right. right? So if I would have been, you know, 30 pounds overweight or whatever the case may be. So you had to have both things, what you talk about, what you are about, and then your fitness level. Yeah. And share, share with me what that message is that you were spreading, that you were talking about on social media. Well, it's always love. Always, no matter what. This is the only thing that we could, I wouldn't say use because love is what we are, but that we can move with to transform, to transmute, to change how the world is today. This is the only thing that's powerful enough to make these changes. And we gotta be really careful because our programming creates so much separation. And when we are separate, there's no power there. And this is um, intentional. So if you can get enough people in enough boxes, then whoever's controlling, whoever the puppet master is, it's easy for them to control everybody. But right. if people go beyond form, right? Beyond the stories and connect at that love, which we all are, now we're, that's unity and that's power, right? So we can change the planet if we change ourselves. This is the only way it can happen. You can't, you know, the, the saying, be the change you wanna see? Yeah, love that saying. You have to be that though. Right. A lot of people, it's very shallow that, that, that comment, yeah, be the change you wanna see. Are you really being the change you wanna see? Yeah. Not just externally, but internally. And that's you, hard work. It that's is hard work, but it's hard satisfying. Work. It's so satisfying. This is where transform, transformation takes place. It's not the outside. It's on the inside. And then it will be expressed on the outside. So if you judge somebody internally, you're still judging them. It's still that vibration. You're still working with that frequency, right? So you clean up the inside. You make the inside beautiful. And then your outside world becomes beautiful. 
And then, and then people's purpose starts to take shape, starts to take form. Without the healing that goes on in the inside, you'll never know what you're here to do. You gotta clean up your own house first, and then you're able to receive the messages you need to receive to move forward to whatever you came here to do. We all came here, I believe, specifically to do something that only we can do the way we can do it. But a lot of us don't know that because we're too caught up in the story, how I was raised, what religion I am, you know, what, I, what, what, what lifestyle I have. We separate so much. If, if I go up and I'm raised up into a Christian uh, household and depending on what we really believe, I cannot like somebody just because they're a Muslim. I don't even know this person. These are the stories we're given. If you're raised up thinking that you were nothing because your parents always said you were stupid or whatever, you start to really identify with that. And then you live small and you don't do what you came here to do because you believe that because it's so crucial during that programming age, everything that you take in, you're making a hard drive, you're creating a hard drive. And then you gotta go your whole life trying to figure out who you really are. So this hard drive will have you doing all types of things that don't really align with your spirit. But you believe at a conscious level that this is really you. Right. You didn't know who you were until somebody told you. Actually, you did know who you were. And then someone told you you were someone else. And then you believed them. Yeah, so it's undoing, right? It's, it is. It's, it's about moving. Stories that you said you've been told your whole life. And yeah, so this, this tells me a little bit about, you know, what you do in, in your work as a transformation coach, um, it sounds like you also went through a transformation. So tell me a little bit about that and the work that you've done on yourself and now how you work with others. So like you said, it's really about removing the old story that isn't you. And then you can allow the real you to come forth and thrive and love and have healthy relationships and and do whatever you came here to do. So for me, starting out how I started out, born into poverty, and then my dad passed away when I was about three and a half. So I never had that father figure. And it's so interesting. My mom, you know, she tried the best. She very, um, I think she made it to like the 10th grade in school. And I'm sure my dad was, wasn't, probably didn't make it that far. But he ended up living a life of crime and my mom always had us in church from day one. So you got these two programs going. At home, it's dysfunctional. It doesn't make any sense. And then at church, you got these rules that you gotta go by or you go to hell. So this is how your brain is getting formed. Like they're contradicting each other. Home one way, church the other way. You're gonna get punished here and you're gonna get punished here. You know, you get punishment from both sides. So. What happened to me is growing up, as soon as I was old enough to realize the concept of hell and heaven, and if what, I, what would send me to those places, I was scared. So I stopped doing what I was doing. At a young age, I was already stealing. I was already five years old, six wow. years old. I was already doing these things until I realized what heaven and hell was. Okay. And then I straightened up. But anytime you change your 
life or change anything because of fear, it's never going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. So I did it and I was fully indoctrinated. I was fully in, believing it, drinking the Kool-Aid, whatever you want to call it, until I got about 17. And then some of the rules that they said that we couldn't do, you know, hormones are kicking in now, right? Yeah. So some of the rules they said you can't do, just After my one. body was like, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. That right there. So now automatically I'm stepping over the line doing the things they said it's going to send me to hell. So I said, I might as well go on my own terms. I went from 17 years old in church. By the time, before I turned 19, I was selling crack cocaine. Wow. That quick. So I lived out that program. Now I'm living out the other program. Right. And the other program lasted for about 20 plus years. Wow. I've been dysfunctional relationships, um, drugs, uh, became an alcoholic. Just everything was was off. And then, and you know, everything is off. Even if you have so-called so, so uh, so uh, normal life, mm -hmm. if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's still going to be off. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a millionaire, even if you're a billionaire and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, something inside you is like, no, nah, that's not it. So mine looked a little bit more dysfunctional, but most people go through life with this inner conflict going on just they don't feel comfortable something's missing no matter what their life looks like on the outside so we're talking now about alignment and purpose and and finding that thing that you connect with i just thought of we've had other guests on the show uh mindset coaches we've had career coaches life coaches and i'm sort of aligning with what you're saying in the sense that i had a previous career that I was very grateful for. However, I was not in alignment. So like you said, it was not a bad life, right? But it was not in alignment and therefore it was never right. Something was always very off. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah, it's just some, well, my, my misalignment just had negative connotations with it. Right. Everybody else is like, oh, just I'm just depressed. I'm just this, I'll just take some pills. But you know, we got the white picket fence and we got two parent home and, and it, it's all the same. It's all the same. The feeling that you're getting is whatever you wanna call it, God, source, what universe, whatever you wanna call it is telling you, no, this is not it. Yeah. There's something more. And it's gonna make you feel uncomfortable until you start to align with what it is. In order to align, you have to remove the old story. So a lot of us said, you know, when we were growing up, this this was success looks like. So we chase that no matter what, right? Whether it be illegal, legal, whatever the case may be, we chase that. And when we get there, you don't have that feeling like you thought you were gonna have. Like you've arrived. Right, like I got peace now, I'm done. And that's why the goalpost always moves. Say so you wanna be a millionaire and you think when this happens, I'm gonna be good. You get there and maybe it's 2 million, maybe it's three, maybe it's, maybe it's a half a billion. It's right. always gonna move on you. Or when I get this person, when I marry this person, I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna have peace in my life. And you marry this person, 
it's not there, still not there. Maybe I picked the wrong person. Maybe I picked the, you start doing this thing, like maybe it just wasn't the right person. That it was supposed to bring, no, nobody, nothing, no thing can bring you peace except for you. And that's internal. That's internal. It's all internal. Your whole life internal. is internal. Right. And once you do that, and once you align, and once you get rid of the old story, now things start to flow a little bit better. Not saying that you're not going to have your ups and downs, but still, it's like, instead of going upstream, you're going downstream. You may hit a rock or two, but you're still going to be flowing. Yeah. Right? You're still going to be going in the right direction. Love that. When you're going in the wrong direction, it is a struggle. Painful. Right. And this is why addiction is, is off the chain right now. Because we don't know what to do when we think we have it all and there's still something missing. Where do you go from there? Do you just medicate? Do you just go see a shrink to talk about your problems? Talk about how you're not satisfied with your life even though you have two healthy kids and a great husband and a great wife and you have all the money you need? Why do you feel like this? I should feel good. I should feel grateful. This, this is the issue here. This is why we are so heavily medicated. This is why we have so many people that that, that uh, medicate with alcohol and drugs. They don't know what to do when they think they have everything and it's not enough. Absolutely. So how do you get people to recognize that there is another option? And so, you know, the work that you do, this transformational journey that you've had that now you help people to find their alignment, you know, because it's very easy to take the quick fix. It's very easy to fall into the self-medication or, you know, going to a doctor to medicate um, and, and try to find these alternative solutions to fill that void. Um, it seems like it, it still takes a lot of effort to, to come forward and say, you know what, something's still missing and I'm willing to seek out a maybe more difficult, but more worth it approach. So for, for a lot of people, the awakening process happens because of something drastic. Like you're just, you're so, at, at some point in your life, you're just so dissatisfied with everything, right? And usually it happens like mid thirties around there because by that time you either accomplished or didn't accomplish what you set out to do. Either way, you're gonna have this empty feeling if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. right? In your 20s, you're just, oh, you know, you, I haven't got there yet. So I know when I get there, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. In your later 30s, you're like, I'm here and it's not cool. <laughs> right? So this is where, and th this is why you notice then in the 30s is when people start taking those antidepressants, anti-anxiety pills, because now what? I'm in my 30s right now. I might be alive 50, even 60 more years. And this is the feeling I'm gonna have to ride with the entire time. This is depressing. Yeah. This is causes anxiety. I don't want this for the next 60 years. Let me numb myself. So the awakening process, which is always happening, right? You never just wake up and you're there. Mm -hmm. So there's levels to it. Your awakening usually happens when something really tragic happens um, and it makes you look in another direction it makes you question your own reality yeah it makes you question god or whatever you view as god 
it would make you question like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Is this it, you know? And for me, it was the alcohol. I started, I used to say, you know, I, my body started to fail me, but I started to fail my body. And I had different signs throughout this process, this journey where one month I blew out my knee playing football. And then while I was waiting for that surgery, I had emergency appendectomy. So I had two surgeries in a matter of a month. And then a few weeks later, I fell down some stairs oh my while God. my knee was healing and I tore it up again. So all these things were happening to me, to me, right? But really they were happening for me trying to get my attention, but it didn't, it wasn't enough. So farther on, go fast forward about, let me see, five years. Um, I'm still living the same exact lifestyle. And now I go to Miami for vacation. And the first night after partying all night, the next morning I'm peeing blood. So I'm already depressed. I'm already anxious. And by this point, alcohol is such a big part of my life because this is my medicine. This is how I cope. This is how I, I, I get rid of anxiety or depression, even though it's a depressant, right? The next day you feel even worse, but you just keep doing it and you're cool, right? So I still couldn't stop after that. That's when I realized I was an addict. So I stopped for a couple of weeks and then I go back doing it and same thing would happen and over and over and over. And I got to a point where I'm just like, do you wanna live or do you, do you wanna die? These are your two choices. And one it is without alcohol and one is with alcohol. So I forced a stop after a party one night, but I still didn't know how to deal. Now, imagine something that was so part of your life just completely got removed overnight. How do you deal with that? So I was chain smoking cigarettes and, and doing all that thing for about a year, but very anxious. I needed to do something. Like any, anything that I ever went to was alcohol, involved alcohol. I don't care if it was a baby party. It's like, you gonna have, they, they gonna have drinks there, right? And most of the time they did. And if they didn't, me and a couple other people, we'll go to the liquor store, hit the parking lot, come back, right? That's how we did it. Right, make it a drinking event. Right, it was, it was always, if I went to a restaurant, you know, do they serve alcohol? You know, it always had, it was that big a part of my life. But now I didn't know how to deal with having this void in my life and then meditation came up and that's when I started sitting down and that was a game changer. And I always tell people you are getting back to what you're asking. If you can do one thing every day that makes your day better, it's gonna make your life better, one thing. So if you can do one thing to say, you know what, this thing, whatever it is, makes my day better. It's gonna make your week better, your month better, your year better and your life better. So that one thing that I did that I didn't know what it was gonna do was meditation. And it's really about connecting to spirit. So you need a strong foundation. If our foundation is not strong, you're gonna get knocked off your spot every single time. So most people try to work backwards. Let me take care of my body. Let me take care of this. Let me take care of that. And then I'll work my way down and then I'll take care of me. That is the opposite of what the way you should do things, <laughs> right? Let me start here. When you do this, when you take care of this, that everything, when you connect to love, when you connect to spirit, when you connect to who you are, now everything outside of that 
reflects that. So you'll start taking care of yourself. You'll start loving yourself. You will start respecting your relationships. New relationships will form because the energy that you have now is it, it doesn't resonate with the old people you used to hang around with. They start to fall off. Everything is frequency based, everything is energy. So you are now changing your energy and your energy is gonna attract different things and different people in different situations. And in my book, I call it base, uh, living in the basement. And that's where I was for a long time. So when you live in the basement, low frequency, low vibration, your experience are gonna reflect that. Right. So the, you, already, you heard the same people of, uh, flock together, birds of the same feather flock together, whatever. Yeah. So you're only gonna hang out with what you are, your frequency. Your relationships are only gonna be a reflection of your frequency. Right, that's law of attraction. Law of attraction. You're attracting this, it's like, a, you're like a magnet. Yeah. Your magnet is in the basement. Everything in the basement is coming towards you. So no matter what you try to do, you always have the same thing. So all my relationships were the same person with a different name. Right. <laughs> this is what, I, and we both attracted each other and whatever we needed from that relationship, it could have woke us up or, or we could have stayed in where we are. But when we don't do the work, we're always gonna have the same thing until we get it, until we get that lesson, whatever that lesson is. But when you start to work on yourself and you start to come up out of that basement and you really start to elevate your life, now beautiful people come into your life. Beautiful opportunities come into your life. It's everything is different. So where you would have been before going somewhere, you'll run into the person that sells drugs and wants to kick it. That happens so much. I go out of town and run into people exactly like me and we go out, kick it and drink and party and smoke weed and do the thing. Now, when I go places, I run into people that are trying to heal right. the community. So, that's, you know, that's a whole other level to be on because you're attracting that energy, you're bringing that energy towards you. And I see that so often with groups of friends, right? You, you all attract what you are. If, if people are heavily into drinking, heavily into partying, that's who they're attracting, that's who they hang out with. And you don't see them, you know, they might have the job, they might have the, you know, the quote unquote lifestyle. However, they're not happy on the inside and they are still self-medicating or what I like to think about it is like just numbing because yeah. mm -hmm. there's some kind of pain going on and that's the easy way out. All addiction is a response to trauma. So, you know, anybody that's addicted to anything it's trauma-based. Right. It's so funny now that like most of the people, all the people I hang out with don't even drink. I didn't look for these people. They don't party and most of them are all vegan. Matter of fact, my two, the two guys I usually hang out with, neither one drink and, and both are vegan and both are bodybuilders. Love that. that that's, that's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. So I tell people, you know, if you look around at your circle, at all the people you hang around with, you're, 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 you are a combination of, of them. That's the average, you're the average of that circle, right? We have to take full responsibility of everyone in our life because mm -hmm. we're choosing to have them there if they're there. So, and it, it's so important with relationships too, like romantic relationships, 
if you two don't grow together, you will grow apart. Amen. Period. Because like I said, it's all frequency based. So say for instance, one person wants to do this, go out and drink in the party thing. And the other person wants to really tap in and get into meditation and do some real deep healing work. That's, you're not going to be able to stay there. And that's why they say in somewhere in the Bible, they talk about evenly yoked. You have to be evenly yoked. That means you have to be on the same frequency as the person you're with, or you will separate. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing the work and she's not, eventually we're like, we have nothing in common. I mean, we, I, there's nothing here. But when you grow together, when you grow together, you might be a little bit off, but you're still going in the same direction. And, and that's why I think so many long-term marriages fail because one of the people decide to do something else, whether, you know, being work on yourself or whatever it may be. And it's like, you're not the same person anymore. Well, I'm not supposed to be the same person anymore. I'm supposed to be always growing and expanding, you know, and being more of who I am. And like I said, the awakening process is a, it's a process. You're always growing. You're always expanding. If you choose to, by being stagnant, that's not living. You always have to be. I mean, I think there's something beautiful about knowing that you don't arrive. You are always growing and you're always bettering yourself and you're always working on or working towards something. Right. And so it's not so much about the arrival. It's, it's about, and I love that growing together. Um, it's just, it reminds me of something that you said, my mom always said growing up, you are who you hang out with. And I never wanted to believe her, but she didn't want me to get involved in a bad crowd. So she's like, you are some of the people that you hang out with. And now I see that more than, more than ever. Right. And so I can feel when I'm with certain people, certain energies and whether or not that relationship serves me beneficially um, or mutually. Right. Because it doesn't have to be one sided. It's it's a mutual relationship. Yeah. I mean, my circle is about as small as a Cheerio right now. (laughs) So and it doesn't matter if I don't talk to my and mine is as well. So right. It doesn't matter if you don't talk to these people for a long time. (laughs) you still have this great connection. So when you do t- talk to them, it's like, yeah, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do this and do that and build, right? The conversations are so different when you start to work on yourself. Everything is about helping or helping someone to do something or setting up a, uh, uh, some type of event to teach people about eating and health and wellness. That's what our conversations are like. And back in the day, it would have been about you know, getting girls and getting drunk and going to the club. So people ask me, how do I change the world? Well, you got to be who you are, who you really are. That's how you change the world. Think about this. If everybody really started doing the healing work, all these walls would just fall because you would realize that you and that other person are from the same source. Mm -hmm. So when you realize you're from the same source, none of that small stuff can get in the way. And I always use this as an example. Like when there's a, nat- a natural disaster or something crazy happens, nobody goes around and asks what religion you are. Nobody goes around and says, you know, well, what do you believe? What is your, are you a Democrat or a Republican? No, everybody starts responding with the heart. 
which is who they are with love. There's no questions asked. We got to get this car for this person. We got to save this person. We got to say, no one's asking these superficial questions. Right. Because at this point, you're united with the heart. You're, you're, you're united with who you really are. So after it all is over, then you get back and say, oh, shoot, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> I'm, you see what I'm saying? But when you when something happens like that and you don't think about it, it's just love that kicks in. Right. I just got to save this person. I got to help this person. And that's how a lot of that racism got squashed in the military because you're forced to be with different races. Now you go into combat and someone from another race saves you and you realize the whole story you were told about this, these people, it was wrong. It was a lie. It's not true. So when we get into very uh, uh, challenging situations, I think... You know, if you put two people into a, a life or death situation and they help each other, all that stuff goes away. Right. They just join up right here at the heart and, and nothing else matters. Yeah. It's I like that's why I, I'm so passionate. And I know you are as well about a vegan lifestyle is because it comes down to love and compassion and empathy and having empathy for any sentient being, whether it's a human being, whether it's an animal, you know, even just having uh, compassion for the environment and, and having an appreciation for the planet that we live on. And, and you start to go about your day a little bit differently, at least for me, when I make a meal. And when I first became vegan, I thought it was so incredible that I could eat a meal and know that I was doing no harm and it, it didn't cause any suffering for me to eat. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You, know, I, you, don't, you don't even know how I became vegan, do you? I don't, I'm very interested in hearing them. So it was because of meditation again, again, sitting down with myself, connecting, allowing that whole program to dissolve. So three years into my meditation, I'm at a restaurant and, you know, we work with the subconscious mind that's running the show. And that subconscious mind is where the program is. So I didn't know this program was starting to dissolve, but I'm eating at a restaurant in Oakland and um, it's, a, not, it's a heavy meat-based restaurant, like a Southern type of restaurant. A lot of, just a lot of meat, bacon, sausage, all that stuff. So I ordered a... a a omelet, a vegetarian omelet. And usually when I order the eggs, I put, you know, the meat and all that on there too. I didn't know what a vegan was at this time. So the person I was with, a friend of mine, she says, are you a vegetarian? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. A vegetarian. And then that was nine years ago. Wow. So I didn't know why. I had to look it up. And it was all I was doing different in my life was meditation. Now I'm sober for three years too. So once I started my meditation, well, after that night of the party, I stopped. I never went to a meeting. I never went to a class. This was all just inner work by myself. And I looked it up and it said the meditation had me reconnecting to all life. So this is the program. The program is dogs and cats are good pigs, chickens, and cows you eat. That's my program. For my very first solid meal is probably hot dogs. 
Right. Right. So this is the program. Just like everything we do is a program. My diet was a program. So in China, the dog festival, it's their culture, right? But in Hindu, the cow is sacred, but we don't care about their culture. We eat the cows all day long. And it's so hypocritical for us to say bad, bad China, bad China. Right. But our animal agriculture, the billions of animals we kill on a regular basis, but not the dog, because they, they, they have feelings. Right. Cows don't have feelings. Chickens don't have feelings. Pigs don't have feelings. And those are the That's what I'm talking about. That's the program. So yeah. on the program, there's a connection with all sentient beings. They have the ability to suffer. And that's what was happening to me at that time. The program was dissolving and I was going, not even consciously, but subconsciously, I'm like, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Not even knowing why I did it. Right. And then I had to look it up. And when I looked it up, I said, that makes sense because you probably hear the bang and clanging going on now. It makes sense because if you have to kill your own food, most Americans, if, unless they were programmed into that, they wouldn't do it. Exactly. So if you wouldn't do it, what is that telling you? It's like you see, you see the suffering. You see the suffering. You feel the suffering. You don't, want, you don't want to see or experience that suffering. But you're so conditioned that as long as you don't see it, you'll be a part of it. Right. So at this point, I'm just vegetarian. I'm not even knowing that in the egg process and the milk process that there's suffering going on. That's how ignorant I am. Right. Chickens just have eggs and cows have milk. So then I seen a video and watched a video on it, the egg process and the milk process. And as soon as I I saw that, I was just like, ah, I I don't have no parts of this. And then I didn't even realize, because I'm ignorant at this time, all the clothes I was wearing had suffering all in them, right? So one day I took all my shoes, I had like 40 pairs of leather shoes. Wow. I had jackets, hats, all that stuff. I loaded them up in the trunk. I went to this place in my old neighborhood in West Oakland, put some bananas and oranges with it. And I popped the trunk and there was this little park with a lot of drug addicts and homeless people. Um, not saying that homeless people are dreaded, drug addicts, but there were both of those people there. And I popped my trunk and then just gave it all away. Wow. So, and that's when I was just like, I, I don't want any parts of any of this. And that's the conditioning. And, and we, and even with the vegan community, some of them understand animal suffering, but then they still have the program of the human suffering. It doesn't resonate with them. So yeah, animals, yeah, they suffer. They, but humans, uh, they should be doing better. Not understanding the suffering in the human condition and what different groups have to go through. So a woman can never come up to me and say, well, this is how I feel. And I'm never going to say, no, you don't. I'm gonna hold space for you. I don't have that same experience. I may not understand it all the way, but I believe you. I can't, I can't experience that because I'm not a woman, right? When it comes to handicapped people, when it comes to LGBTQ people, right? When it comes to black and brown people, we go, okay, well, animals, 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 animals. whatever you're talking about over here, I don't care about that. Right. It's full circle. It's, it's big picture. It's everything. Right. So suffering is suffering. Sentient beings are sentient beings. When you're really working with the heart and not just the, 
your, your limited conscious thinking and the story you're working with, then you love all beings, even if they disagree with you, right? Even if they disagree with you, you love them still because you know if they're nasty, if they're, you know, if they're mad, if they're angry, or if they, they curse at you or whatever they do, that's not really who they are. If we go back to childhood, we go back to the baby state, the baby knows nothing about this planet. It knows what it's here to do, but it doesn't know anything about planet Earth. So when it shows up, it's just soaking everything in. And this is why when we look into a baby's eyes, we can see God. We can see that light. Yeah. There's no judgment there. There's no, judge, there's no self-judgment. There's no judgment on you. It's just like, whoa, where am I at? This energy. And then it changes your energy. And then you have this little thing going back and forth with this child that doesn't even know you. And it's all energy-based. They're in amazement of what's going on right now. And you're amazed at this little God child. And you make this connection. It's only when they get old enough to have this conscious thought and this program starts to take hold of them is where at a very young age, they can already be a racist. They can already be you know, acting a certain way just at three years old, at four years old, they're already, this program is so in them already. And it's like, it's, it's such a unfortunate thing that we have to, and it's because it's passed down to us, right? I'm not blaming anybody because they're, the parents that passed it down to their kid, it was passed down to, to them too. But it's, us to, it's up to us to break this cycle. Look, I don't know if you ever thought about it like this, but you have so many of your ancestors in you right now oh, they're yeah. not dead they're in you right now there's a part of their dna is part of everything about them in you right now so go back three four five six seven eight generations that's in you right now so when we do that healing work we are healing everyone that's in us it's amazing you see what i'm saying they're like they're not gone yeah they're in you in physical form yeah that's, 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 how, that's how DNA works. Yeah, that's something that I'm so hyper aware of. I have a one and a half year old. And, you know, of course, we, we have empathy for our parents. We know they did. We hope they did the best they could with what they had, right, at the time. Um, however, right, they do program certain things into us that we then have to like you're saying, be responsible to heal, right? And we have to do the inner work. And so I'm very hyper aware as my daughter starts to look at the world around her and I want her to have those fresh eyes and not let the world tell her who she is, but instead, you know, to the best ability, find out who she is and um, just let her experiment, let her take her own approach. Um, and do life how she wants to, because life tries to force us into boxes. And like you're saying, people don't find their purpose caged in, boxed in, right? She already knows what she wants to do, believe me. She already knows what she <laughs> wants to do. And we try to protect them and give them the safe route. And they're always, if, if you do something because your parents want you to do it, you're gonna be depressed for the rest of your life. Yeah. You really will be. It's like you made them happy, but you are miserable. Right. So I have a son that's almost 30 
And then my youngest is uh, 13. So I was in different stages of my life with all my kids. So with this, my last daughter, I've been sober going on 14 years. She's never seen me had a drink. She's never seen me have a drink, right? Mm -hmm. She's seen this whole process of me healing, yeah. right? And, and not only witnessed it, but witnessed um, the way I treat people during this process. And she became vegan at six because she would ask me stuff. Because I co-parent. She goes, well, why do you meditate all the time? And I, I tell her, you know, why I meditate? And she was like, how come you don't eat? How come you don't eat meat? And I said, just because I don't want to do harm to any animals. I didn't tell her what to do. I didn't tell her because she at this time was eating meat. So she started taking off the meat off her food at her mom's house. So I got the call. Why is she taking the meat off her food? I said, I don't know, but yay. I'm happy for it. So her mom said, okay, we're going we gonna to ride with it. She's still doing it because you're doing it. She's still doing it. She's almost 14 years old. Uh, she became vegan, vegan uh, PETA's cutest kid in like 2000. Oh my God, that's so cool. 2000 something. She's, <laughs> she's on the US gymnastics team in acro gymnastics, went to London, competed there. Wow. Never lost a, a, a competition. Never lost any competition. Oh my goodness. And she's like top in the nation as far as academics. She's never got anything less than an A. Wow. Um, if there's an A plus was available, she was, uh, she got an A plus. She's already into meditation. She's already just doing amazing. Just, she's just a little super kid. Um, the only thing she has going on that's tough and challenging is she's super driven and hard on herself. And I try to tell her, you know, love yourself just like you would love a friend if a friend was going through something. And I always used to tell her, look, this is what's important. Love compassion. I would tell her all these things, right? This is my programming her. So she's still a program nonetheless. But when she realizes who she is, it's not going to, it's not going to feel different. She's going to say, oh, I get it now. Instead of seeing all the garbage and then really making a hard, like, oh man, everything is not like a, everything is so different. But if you're saying love and compassion to your child, then they, they might not really understand it. But then one day it's just going to click and they're going to be like, oh, I get it. Instead of having to get rid of this whole old programming and to realize who you are, it is just going to click like seamless right. because you already know you've been told this over and over and over and not only told it, you've watched it in action because right. love is an action word. So all the homeless feeds, all the different uh, uh, festivals and things that I spoke at, she even spoke at festivals. She's already doing the speaking and stuff like that. Um, it's just going to make sense to her at a, a deeper level as she grows older. It's all going to be like, okay, I, I get it. And then she's going to know what she came here to do. I don't know what it is yet, but um, she's a different breed for sure. At six years old, she was driving by Stanford with her mom. She goes, I know all kids say this, but I'm probably going to go there. <laughs> her mom was like, no, all kids don't say this. Oh my God. Yeah, so she's... she's well, I think that for having a father like you, she sees what's possible. She sees, oh, wow, these things that dad is saying are good. I don't want to do harm on my plate. And, and dad works with meditation and that helps him stay calm and that helps him, you know, connect deeper, whatever it means to her, right? She sees the benefits 
of what you're doing. And even if she doesn't understand it, she wants to follow and she wants to practice. And so, like you said, down the road, she'll figure out what she wants to do. But right yeah, now, it all makes sense. And on top of that, because her mom had to do the research, her mom doesn't eat meat either. Wow. So that, that, that's how it works. And um, yeah, and then my wife, she, when I first came home after that incident I was telling you about, I said, I'm not eating meat no more. She goes, good for you. I'm gonna continue to eat it. So she'd been vegan for like five years now. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm just saying, you, if you set an example and then you, see the effect if, yeah if you see the effects of it if you see what it's doing if the more you talk about things the more it starts to click like yeah this makes sense and you know we, we our diets are passed down to us i mean especially in the black culture we are literally still eating a slave diet so we are we're eating feet we're eating intestines we're eating necks and things that have been tossed out but we celebrate with those things still to this day and that's how conditioning works. So the fried food, and I just learned this this last year, black people fried food to kill off all the bacteria because it was at literally eating garbage. Wow. So the, the parasites and everything. So you had to deep fry it for a long time. So it was about survival at that time, but now it be turned into something cultural. Now yeah. we just do it. So it was at first it was about us living and now it's slowly killing us the over-seasoned, the over-cooked, the fried foods is the reason why the, the Black community is suffering so much as far as preventable disease. And it's all because it's passed down from generation to generation. Our belief systems, everything is passed down. You are a program, whether you think you are or not, until you realize you are a program. If you really start to ask yourself, well, why do I do this? Why do I do that? Why do I do this? Why are my actions so reactive? Why, every time this happens, I always act this way. Well, why is that? If you start to go backwards, you're gonna see some of those things that happened to you when you were a child. Not only when you were a child, trauma can be passed down through DNA. It's called epigenetics. So if they, did a, uh, they had a thing about somebody who was in a uh, concentration camp and the child, even though the child wasn't, didn't experience that, still had the trauma from that experience from the mother. So we have trauma in us coming into this world and then all the stuff stacked on top of that. And then you wonder why you feel the way you feel. If you don't heal, you suppress and you repress. And at some point it's gonna be expressed. It's gonna be in disease, or it's gonna be in dysfunctional relationships, it's gonna be in violence. That's all violence is. Emotions that's been suppressed, that it gets to a point where it has to be expressed. And that's why little tiny things can make people explode. Road rage, someone cuts you off on accident, next thing you know, you're shooting each other and you're killing each other, it happens. Yeah. How does that happen? The, the actual thing was not that big a deal. But all the stuff that you were holding down, this was just a catalyst for it. Oh, of course. And that's, that's the thing is uh, such a simple concept is you don't see people who are healed have road rage. You don't see them lashing out and being reactive. And um, a recent quote that I heard was, you know, the one that hurt people hurt people, right? 
Um, that's again, the law of attraction, right? That's what we attract, but healed people heal people. And I think that's so beautiful because it's, it's taking responsibility and doing the work yourself and then, and then being able to spread that, spread that work. Like even what you're doing, where what you're doing may not have totally been to influence your daughter or your daughter's mom or your wife, but you just had that effect on them. And so, you know, whether they know it or not, they're working on certain forms of healing. Um, and I think just the healing process in itself is so, it's so beautiful because, you know, this whole concept of love and what we're talking about is this is what makes the world a better place, right? How can we all do our part a little bit better, right? It starts with you. It always does. Absolutely. And I think I really believe that this is who we, we are that baby that came into this world that would just look at everything in amazement and connect with everyone. A baby is, doesn't care who you are. If you come up and smile at that baby, that baby's going to smile back. It doesn't have any preconceived ideas about who you are. And that's why we smile at puppies. That's why we smile at babies. There's no judgment there. It's just this being, this just light and this love and this unconditional love. And that's why you can't, I dare you to look at a baby and if a baby smiles at you, dare, I promise you, you cannot, you have to smile back. <laughs> it's automatic. Yeah. You can't stop. You don't even know you're doing it. Next time you see a baby that smiles at you, just pay attention to your face. Oh yeah. You not, not smile. I don't care what kind of mood you're in. If a baby smiles at you, you're going to smile. Oh, it happens with my daughter multiple times a day. She just, all you have to do is look at her. That's it. Yeah. Because it's, it's love and yeah. you're feeling it. It's that energy that they're giving you yeah. with, without, without uh, ulterior motives. Like I, that's what we're here to do. Love and give love. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to do. But if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're here to do. And that's what my coaching, that's what it's all about. It's about doing the little things that you can do every day to start to realize I can't change you, but you can do some things every day, little things you can do every day to start to, to help you to um, align, to really see who you are, to ask yourself the tough questions. Like, like, you know, why do I do these things? Who am I? What am I here for? You have to start asking these questions. You're not here just to make money and be have things. Mm -hmm. Things ain't it. It's not about things. And I'm not saying that things are bad. You know, you can have a mansion, have all this stuff, but you have to understand those things got to be put in, in their place. It can't become who you are. It's just something you have, right? We got to live in a space of who we are. We came here to realize who we are. And most of us don't know who we are, but we're starting to wake up. There's this weird thing going on right now where it's like a, a, a huge uh, awakening process. A lot of people are waking up at the same time. I've actually noticed that. And, and the reason why I say that is because I just had a conversation with my husband the other day and we were talking about breaking the generational I guess, things that need to be healed, right? As we're on this topic um, and the things we notice in our parents or grandparents that, you know, unbiasedly could be passed down um, and how, as long as we're aware, we can start to break certain cycles. 
Uh, and I was talking about my parents' generation and the generation maybe before them and, and how all of a sudden you're starting to see people just be more self-aware, right? They might not be into you know, any deep dive meditations yet, or they might not be into any spirituality, but the self-awareness is starting to exist a little bit more, right? I, I'm hopeful at least because I see people becoming more intrigued in doing the work because they realize there is something better out there. You don't have to live life down here when you can be up here. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful as well. I, I see that there are there are people doing the work and I hope that that's, that why, that's why I came up with that book. That book just, I was so inspired. It just came from nowhere basically. Well, you know, it didn't come from nowhere, but. Yeah, tell us about your it, book. It just showed up because when I do speaking events, I, I usually just speak. I don't write anything down, never have, right? So one time I thought I was gonna get fancy and write some stuff down and speak on it, 10 different things. I ended up not speaking with that. I just put it aside and did what I usually do. Then I watched on a video, it said, what are you giving to your audience when you speak to them? I was like, my energy, my love, my words, my story. But then they go home and that goes away. Um, and then I thought about those 10 things that I had written down a year prior and I went and found them. I had to look through a bunch of notebooks and then I uh, broke them down and I wrote about each of these 10 things. And these 10 things, it's the reason, it, it was basically a blueprint to my transformation. Wow. These 10 things that I talked about. Um, matter of fact, I can tell you the 10 things real quick. Can you grab me a book? Um, and what yeah. is the name of your book? I'm a, it's called Love Over Fear, A Guide to Peace and Purpose. I'm very, very excited to read it myself because I feel like this conversation could go on <laughs> forever um, in just learning about your process and getting into meditation. So share with us okay. in, in a brief summary, right? I, but I do highly recommend, I know I'm going to get the book. So so I'm just going to tell you the 10 things I talk about. Love, of course. And I talk about self-love and love for others because self-love is a huge thing we don't fully accept our love or, or love our, or, or love ourselves due to the things that we experienced, mm -hmm. right? That you're not good enough type of thing, the this, the that, and the other. Gratitude, huge. Mindfulness meditation, constructive mindset, consistency, being present because there's only the present moment. That's all that ever exists. Everything else is created in the mind. Being of service. That's why we're here, to be of service the truth about failure, being proactive and stepping out of fear. So those are the 10, 10 things I talk about and I break them down. And before each uh, chapter, I put quotes by different people that go with the chapter and it all different walks of life, but they're all speaking the same language. So it could be from Tupac to Wayne Dyer to Maya Angelou to Cesar Chavez. So when you work in a different vibration from a love centered place it doesn't matter where you come from the higher you go the more the language becomes the same so the more you elevate form starts to mean less doesn't matter who you are what you look like where you came from you're connecting on a much deeper level and that's why you can have different people from all different walks of life at the very top as far as like being spiritual teachers or whatever 
from all different walks of life. And they're all speaking the same thing. And it all has to do with love, yeah. period. Because that's where they're working from. You would never see somebody that's really elevated talking to another person and talking about their race or what their their religion or anything like that because it's, they're beyond that. Right. They're beyond form. They they know that there's we're we're really formless. We're using these bodies, but that's this is not us. So when you connect on a, that level, right, that deep level, then everything else doesn't mean anything. It's like you are there, you're vibrating so high. Christ, Buddha, all these people that walk this planet, they understood that. And that's why so many people were drawn to them because they, they radiated love. Right, and it didn't matter who you were. It, it didn't matter, they it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right, so when you get to a certain point, then form starts to be less important. Like back in the day, it was about what you look like, what you got. Now it's like, I don't care what you look like. And I don't care what you got. I know we have a we we have a deep connection that's way beyond anything that we can see, touch, smell, or hear. So it doesn't matter what you look like. I don't care if you got tattoos all over your face. I don't care. I don't care if you got you know, it, it's not important anymore. Those are the superficial, right? Yeah. Those are the things that are on the surface that really don't matter. It's it doesn't tell you what kind of person. Um, that person actually is on a deeper level. So how would someone say who's listening, who's maybe a beginner in this sense of, well, this is all making sense to me. I want to connect deeper with myself spiritually, but I don't know how I'm new to meditation. What is something that you would recommend? Well, really meditation is over. I think it's it's made to be too complicated because there's so many different kinds of meditation. But all I looked it up and it basically said, sit your ass down and listen, <laughs> right? Yeah. Sit down and see what comes up. It's basically what I got from it. So I used to go into the bathroom, set a little timer and just sit there. Yeah. And I tell you, everything started coming up and it was crazy. If you, we have so many distractions and so many things that can take our attention or, or distract us from really dealing with what we need to deal with. So it was almost, it was 38 years of me suppressing started to come up. And it's going to be scary and you're not going to be able to do it for long. So I suggest like five minutes, just go get somewhere quiet and just get present and just get present and see, see what comes up. Shut your eyes down. The reason why you shut your eyes down is so because you get, you have nothing outside. You have to go inside. Once them eyes are closed, it's all internal, right? It's all the thoughts. It's all the emotions, everything on the inside, right? That's why you shut your eyes down. Because with your eyes are open, you could always focus on something outside. Shut your eyes down and just take baby steps. You, you can lay down. I, I sit with a, in a half lotus, but you can lay down to start out with. The key is just to get present. Disconnect from everything and be with you and see what happens for short periods of time. Five minutes. When you get more comfortable, make it 10 minutes. When you get more comfortable, make it 15 minutes. If you really need a if you really can't do it right now, you can do guided meditations for five minutes, right? Just make it a practice. Do it every single day. Yes. And then it will evolve into your own style, the way you do it, what feels good to you. I don't like to tell people, do it this way, do it this way, because everybody does it different. Oh, yeah. I've got my own little, it's actually on the ground right now. I have a pillow <laughs> and it's, I don't know if you can see it. 
my pillow. I can, I can see it. Right there. And I have a little meditation blanket and I don't meditate for more than five minutes. I'm, you know, I'm still actually a newbie when it comes to meditation, but I find that when I am putting it off, when I'm ignoring it, when I really don't want to do it, same thing goes for journaling. When I ignore it and ignore it is when I need it the most. And when I find it to be the most beneficial and most helpful and anytime I'm feeling any sort of things, uh, that's typically the answer. Yeah, and it's about once you connect to the breath and you start, everything starts to regulate itself. So basically we just need to get out of the way and let our bodies and everything else do what it does naturally. Mm-hmm. It's really about us blocking this natural process where if we just get out of the way and we relax and we just let our breathe, breathing become natural. Oh, and, and the breathing is wonders for right. your nervous Absolutely. system. Right? I mean, why do they think, why do you think when they, when someone's having an anxiety attack, they tell them to breathe a certain way? So you can bring it back down. You're out of whack. And that's why, and then it works off. Once you start having short breath, now you start having these physical things going on and now it becomes all too real. Now you hold your breath even more. You're passing out, doing all kinds. I've been there. You don't even know you're doing it. Fear has just taken over. And when it does, your breathing stops. And when your breathing stops, your body does all kinds of crazy stuff and it just like builds on itself. So to regulate your breathing every day also is super important. Yeah. I do breathing exercises every morning. I do uh, stretching every morning. I do meditation every morning. And then when I go to sleep at night, I put on a guided meditation and go to sleep on it so I could reprogram myself so I can get this, these, these positive affirmations going on in my head over and over and over. Yeah. And it affects you in a positive way. I do love a good nighttime meditation. Is, are there any... Do you have recordings? Are there any that you? Oh, I, I, I do them live for people. You do? Yeah. So um, they'll call me and I'll put on uh, some meditation music and I'll just, whatever they're dealing with, I'll do a meditation. I'll make up a meditation for them and I'll do it live for them. It's amazing. And this is what my book, book looks like, by the way, when you see it. I love it. I can't wait to get it. Thank you so much, Monk. Where can everybody find you? Um, I'm actually going to put a link to the book um, for anyone who wants to go on and purchase that if you're interested in learning more. Um, but where can everybody find you on social? Find me, monketernal.com is my website, and it'll have all my socials up there. Great. So monketernal.com. And if anybody wants a signed copy, they could... Um, like I said, my socials are up there. You can hit me on Instagram, monk underscore eternal, and I will send you one. Amazing. That's so generous of you. Thank you so much for today, for joining us on the podcast and all of your experience and knowledge. And it's been such a pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. I always like to run my mouth. So it's all any opportunity I have. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love having guests on and, and you are just, it's been an honor. It's been a real pleasure to have all you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Monk. Wasn't that conversation with Monk just absolutely incredible? 
I had so many amazing takeaways from that conversation. Like I mentioned at the beginning of our interview, I was so lit up and so energized after this conversation. And I really took a look deep into my own life to try to pinpoint areas where I could improve, right? How am I not living up to my highest self, right? What are some ways that I can start to get there? And like Monk says, it starts to become something that you enjoy, something that you look forward to. It's no longer work, right? So maybe in the beginning, as you're getting into meditation, as you're getting into some form of spirituality, journaling, getting to know yourself better, right? Maybe limiting the things that don't really serve you as much in life, whether it's poor eating habits, drugs, alcohol, anything like that, really just taking a look in the mirror, taking a look, digging deep. What are the true things that you want in life? And how are you not living up to that highest self? In what ways can you start to become that higher version of you by taking those smaller steps so that someday it doesn't have to be work anymore? All right. I hope this conversation really made you think. I really hope it sparked a little bit of energy. I know just being in Monk's presence over Zoom where we did our interview, he just has this aura and energy about him that I can see he totally spreads that light into the lives of others. So it totally makes sense that he does what he does. You guys, if you want to connect with Monk, you know where to find him at Monk Eternal on Instagram. I'll put everything in the show notes. You also can find his book on Amazon, which I will also link in the show notes. I already have received a copy myself and it is not a very long read. So I will say if you enjoyed this conversation a lot, go ahead, click the link in the show notes, go ahead and check out the book. It is a quick read. It is just diving a little bit deeper into every wonderful aspect that Monk talked about today. Spread love, be love, give love, do everything through love. All right, guys, have an amazing Thanksgiving if you are in the U.S. celebrating. I will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy. I'll talk to you then. Bye.